Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Thinking Sideways is not supported by reusing all those AOL discs. Instead, it's supported by the generous donations of our listeners on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. And thanks. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey there. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways. Uh, I'm Joe, joined as always by... Devin. And... Steve. Yeah. So we're going to solve a really groovy mystery. Uh, and by the way, this is uh, part of our summer series. So in order to free up some of your precious time, we, start, we decided to drop a series of episodes that are kind of shorter. Because the fact of the matter is, is there's a ton of mysteries out there. And a lot of them aren't really hour and a half mysteries, unfortunately. So we're going to cover some of those. And then you have more time for barbecues and swilling beer, blowing your fingers off with fireworks, you know, all the usual stuff. So, <laughs> so let's get to it. <laughs> this is actually, going to be a bang. Actually, I know that I think, I think the listeners of Thinking Sideways are smarter than the average bear. And I think that probably uh, they're not the demographic that actually do blow their fingers off. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm not usually. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's stop talking about the demographic just in case. Yeah. Okay. We don't want to isolate them. Yeah. This mystery is uh, its kind of old. It's over half a century old. It involves a little death, and it's got the usual CIA perfidy in it, so trigger warnings. Uh, you, know, you guys know what that means. It starts, uh, depending on where you read about it, on either August 15th or August 16th, 1951, in Pont Saint-Esprit, France. That is, uh, it's actually, it actually should be pronounced Pont Saint-Esprit, but the French are... <laughs> Famous for mispronouncing everything. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. bad at pronunciation, <laughs> yeah. unlike us. <laughs> Sorry, French listeners, just kidding. Pont-Saint-Esprit is a small village in southern France. Uh, as of the 2012 census, uh, population 10,651, uh, but the town was somewhat less than half that size when these strange events began to take place. And by the way, have you, have you guys gone and looked at it on the street view? 
No. Uh, a, briefly. Yeah, it's, it looks like a really beautiful, charming little town. Uh, I mean, it's in France, so... It looks like a nice place to live. Yeah. yeah. It does. Uh, so our story actually begins a little earlier than August 15th, uh, because some of the citizens of Pont Saint-Esprit began experiencing heartburn, stomach cramps, uh, fever chills, in some cases, vomiting and diarrhea. And most people had their heart rate slow dangerously down, and some people felt that like their entire digestive tract was on fire. So obviously there had been somebody that ingested something. Uh, yeah, well. I, would, I believe yeah. that would be the cause. Yeah, probably. Uh, there was intense cramping of, of hands, feet, and calves in some cases. And the symptoms varied widely, actually, uh, among all very, various people, but quite a few people were affected. A lot of people were, were affected with insomnia, so people were not able to sleep for several days. And within two days of, of this beginning, about 250, 300 people started to go insane. And yeah, it must have been, it must have been really interesting to be living in Pont Saint Esprit in those days. Because, to what to to be one of the people who is not going insane, surrounded by a uh, bunch of insane uh, people. Yeah. yeah, and wondering if you're going insane and because you if think everybody else you looks insane. Yeah. That would be it. Would be weird. It yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people still alive who remember that whole that whole thing. Fewer all the time, of course, because yeah. it happened in 1951. God, this sounds that that whole being around a bunch of people who are going nuts and worrying if you're next sounds like the plot of so many movies. Well, it's it just like the Dancing Plague. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean. We've yeah. uh, and you know there's that the whole laughing sickness laughter sickness thing mm -hmm. that we've not done an episode on yet. But no, we haven't done that one. I yet. mean, you know, I think that's one of those things that's so I just messes with your head. Kind of does. You know, hope it doesn't happen to me. It's group but... psychosis. Yeah, a yeah. little. Yeah, there yeah. was a recent case where it was uh, an entire. I want to say it was a junior high or a high school all came down with Tourette's mm -hmm. supposedly. And it was it was another. It was just kind of one of those weird group psychosis things. Very, very odd. Yeah. But yeah. I, 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 it'd, be, it'd be weird to be the guy who's like, um, I'm not yelling. I'm not screaming at anybody. I, I don't. I don't get it. What's going on? Or am I? And I just don't know it. There oh. you go. Oh. It's entirely possible. Where was I? Uh, Time Magazine covered it. They 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 and they told how people were, ran through the streets yelling that somebody was trying to get them. Uh, people were, according to a person who was interviewed, who lived there at the time, people were hitting each other and insulting one another. Um, a small boy supported, supposedly attempted to strangle his mother, although in some tellings of this tale it was his grandmother. And there were delirious people being tied to their beds. Uh, people screamed that red flowers were coming out of their bodies. That's so, weird. Yeah, I know. That'd be, that's that's really a hallucination weird. I really don't want to have. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, somebody said his head had turned into molten lead. Another person thought his head had turned to copper. Uh, <laughs> and there were reportedly four suicide attempts, and, some, and there were actually some successful suicides also. Um, and one guy claimed he was, this is according to a witness who was interviewed in 2010, he, he, was, he was standing in the window of a building like two or three stories up and, sh and was shouting, look, I'm a dragonfly. And oh, he, no. Yeah, you, have, you know this is not going to end well, no. right? Yeah. Luckily for him, he only broke his legs. He didn't uh, didn't kill himself. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, ouch. Apparently he survived. Uh, another man tried to drown himself because he thought his body was being eaten by snakes. Uh, another guy claimed that he saw his heart escaping through his feet. Oh. Uh, yeah, he went to... Yeah, that would be an, another unpleasant one. Right? Yeah, this is a serious yeah. set of trips. Uh-huh. Yeah, these people are really, really, really tripping here. I yeah. Mean, yeah, big time. Uh, there was a postman named Leon, uh, Leon Armounier, who was still alive in 2010 when he was interviewed by the BBC. Uh, he said he was doing his route, you know, riding a bicycle, and all of a sudden he became nauseous, and then he started hallucinating. And he said, and I quote, I had the sensation of shrinking and shrinking, and the fire and the serpents coiling around my arms, unquote. So that sounds pretty intense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It sounds good. like a Jim Morrison song. Yeah, it kind of does. I was just going to say, it sounds a bit like Alice in Wonderland. Mm. Yeah. You know? But, you know, what's, what's, what's remarkable about this, and, you know, maybe actually some people were hallucinating and they had pleasant hallucinations. Like they were like, you know, you know, like romping through a mountain meadow and, you know, being yeah. surrounded by fluffy kittens. You know, but <laughs> apparently all the ones I'm hearing about are really horrible. horrible. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I want to have the trip where I'm surrounded by fluffy kittens. Yeah, mm. me too. Not, not, be... the, not the snakes coiling one, no, no, no. No, I'd rather not have that one. 
Oh, back to our postman. Uh, he was taken to a hospital and put in a straitjacket, uh, and he was put in a room with three teenagers who had been chained to their beds, and apparently they spent several days in there. And, and Leon, the, the postman, eventually came to his senses, but needless to say, he does not have good memories of this whole thing. So this he, was the kind of thing that people would go into and out of, and it wasn't like the everybody was crazy at the same time it was kind of more like intermittent i think Mm -hmm. and for different people at different times and it lasted longer for some people than others yeah yeah some people recovered fairly quickly some people actually didn't hallucinate they just experienced some of the symptoms like you know the feverish kind of feeling and Mm -hmm. you know the heartburn and, and the cramps but they never got as far as a hallucination thing interesting okay yeah lucky for them yeah and but some people really went around the bend yeah, in the end, somewhere between four and ten people died. Uh, the accounts vary. Uh, most of them that I see say that seven died. But hmm. I've seen uh, but the number might actually be as low as four. I, I got that number out of a report by the National Institutes of Health that was written two weeks after the incident. So this this got into the press fairly quickly. Right. And, yeah. yeah no, no surprise. Yeah. 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 yeah, apparently three of the four were old and in bad health already, So and they died of cardiovascular collapse. Uh, one was a young, like, 26-year-old guy in good health, but you know, for whatever reason, uh, he, di- he also died of cardiovascular collapse. Um, mm. And that report was written beginning of September 1951, so it's possible there were a few people that died after that. So I, it's really kind of hazy exactly. Oh, you what, mean from uh, lingering effects of yeah. whatever they experienced? Yeah, or suicide or whatever. So, mm. so Okay. Uh, it's just still, I'm still not totally sure exactly how many people died. And, of course, people die anyway, so yeah, it's hard to coincidentally tell. died. But not a huge number of people, but still, it's kind of weird. Um and then 46 people were committed to asylums. I'm not sure how long for. I don't, I don't know that anybody had to be permanently committed because of this. But this was an era where people loved to commit people Ugh. and just leave them there for yeah. a while. So it, it was, was, like, it it was wasn't a lot like, easier back in those days. Well, yeah, it wasn't like you just, oh, we're just we're going to commit you for some psychiatric help. You'll be there for a couple of weeks. No big deal. It's like, oh, no, we're going to commit you. We'll see you in six months to a year, Billy. Yeah, or maybe we'll, for the rest of your life. Who knows? I mean, yeah. yeah. It turns out it's incredibly hard once you've convinced somebody that you are insane to convince them that you're you not aren't. insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's real hard. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, yeah, true. there's this story of the guy who was trying to get out of some crime and so he pled insanity and acted nuts and got himself put into a mental facility and then once he was there he's like after a while he's like I'm cured you guys have done a great job we know better that. no you're, you're, you're not actually better yeah yeah like it's total crazy. backfire yeah yeah whoopsie how long did he ever get out Ah, gosh, I don't remember. It's been so long since I've read about the story. Well, definitely. I would, if, I were the, if I were his doctor and say that the crime carried a 10-year sentence, I'd probably <laughs> wait 10 years and say, I guess you're cured after all. See you later. Uh, bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, where was I? Oh. All in all, about 300 people were affected by this whole thing. Um, and again, the intensity of the attacks and hallucinations varied quite a bit. Uh, but some people were permanently damaged and never really led normal lives again. They couldn't hold down a job. And they were just kind of weird hmm. after that. You um, mean by damaged, you mean they were suffering some kind of uh, psychosis? Still suffering. Long-term inter- effects. Intermittent, yeah, inter- just suffering intermittent like hallucinations and things like that. So it wasn't yeah. just like a little post-traumatic stress disorder could have been, stuff? Or... That could have had something to do with it, too. Or it could have been that they were just deadbeats who didn't want to actually have to have a job and they wanted to be on unemployment. I, mean, that, I guess that's yeah. And it was convenient. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's it. I don't know. I don't know that unemployment was great in the 50s, but... Yeah, no, probably not. I think that there's, there are people out there who are uh, psychologically a little a little less um, stable than all of us. And, yeah, oh, and yeah. And have something like this happen to you, it could permanently... I can see where it could permanently damage you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even know that you would have to be, you know, less stable than normal, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is the sort of thing... Particularly, if everybody you saw, has a breaking point. Well, and if you saw, if you were in, really seeing kind of the most horrible stuff that was happening, you oh, know, yeah. people screaming about these things happening to them, or you know, guys saying that they could fly and jumping, and you know, things like that, that could probably permanently damage almost anyone. Well, I could see it. It would leave you some pretty traumatic memories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and and the the other thing is that that area has a pretty. It's a high. Um, they're all fairly religious. It's a bunch. Uh, it's mostly Catholics. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a certain fire and brimstone aspect 
that oh, you kind might of think, apocalyptic. Yeah, so you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I've gone to hell. Mm-hmm. And if you're very mm-hmm. devout, that would have some pretty traumatic effects on, on you. That yeah, could, yeah. And of course, when you come back from hell, then hey. Then what, did, nice. what have I done? What do I got to do right? I, I can never do I mean, like this is one of those snowball situations. Mm-hmm. Or maybe yeah. you are still in hell and you just don't know it. Yeah. Right? Maybe we're all in hell. Mm-hmm. Possible. That, is, that would explain something. Yeah. But, yeah. Eventually, of course, things did get back to normal. Inquiries were made. And it turns out that everybody who had been affected by this insanity had bought bread from a local baker whose name was Roque Beyond. And some people suspected him of intentionally poisoning his customers, although it doesn't look like he actually did do it on purpose. Is this a squares or rectangle sort of situation where everyone who was sick had bought bread from him, but not everyone who bought bread from him was sick? Or was it like, no, literally everybody who got sick were the only people who bought bread from him? Yeah. Do you know? I I, I don't know, but I would would suggest nobody, I don't think anybody goes and buys bread and doesn't eat at least some of it. Well, I just mean, you know, so if he's the only baker in town, right, and there's 5,000 people there and all 5,000 have bought bread from him, but only 300 got sick versus only only those 300 people bought bread from him and ate it and got sick. Devin Mm. is asking, is it all or some it's, of, his of his customers. It's, it's, it only is some of his customers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, um, and we'll get into this more later on, but but there were certain products that he made that may have been tainted, mm. but not necessarily all oh. of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just so, feel like that's an important thing yeah. to know. Yeah. But yeah, none of the other bakers in town uh, had sold bread to these people who were having problems. Uh, okay. Yeah, it it doesn't look like he did it on purpose, though. Uh, they traced his grain that he'd used back to a supplier in another, in another town. I can't remember. I, I came across it, and I should have written it down. Now I can't <laughs> find it again, and I hate that. Because the internet has moved the link mm-hmm. on yeah. your computer to yeah, somewhere else? The internet mm-hmm. has shifted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it turned, it, it, they, they decided that they had sold Roque Rionda a, a tainted batch of grain. And I'm assuming this is the old old days. I mean, I don't know if they actually supplied him with flour or if they gave him grain and then he ground it up himself. Well, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Mm, in the 50s, probably the flour. No, it could be either way. It could be. Mass yeah. production was not as uh, ingrained well, as, as it is now. Yeah, and especially in, in some of these little old villages Small in the ones. middle of, you know, that I think yeah. are probably pretty old school. I guess it's just my bias to assume when somebody says his supplier, I yeah. think. You would think that they, it you was know, produced, but it's you're a lot right, more efficient a... to to grind to grind it all in one place and make it into flour, mm-hmm. you know, and then send the flour out to the bakers. Chicken Little did probably, teach me that. It's yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> right. It was Chicken Little. Good old Chicken Little. I don't know. The sky is falling. Oh no, it was the other chicken, the one that made the bread, did everything. Um. Really? I think you're hallucinating. <laughs> I don't. I don't think any chicken ever made any bread, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, my chickens have never made bread. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, long story short, it appears the, that our good old friend Ergot was the cause of the poisoning. Officially. Officially. If, uh, as you know, if you've listened to past episodes, the only culprit that we blame more than Ergot is Chupi. Yeah. Good old Chupi. Mm-hmm. It's Poor not lupus ever. Yeah, yeah. But Ergot, if you don't know it, is a fungus that grows on rye plants, um, which is, by the way, the reason I've stopped eating rye bread. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like rye. You know, I really do. I don't think I don't think ergot's something that like people get in modern days. Probably not. I, I think mean, the kind of bread that you would be buying, the kind of rye bread you would be buying, would be pretty heavily processed and probably mm-hmm. fungus-free. Oh, cool. Maybe I'll start eating it again. You then. should. I think the main thing is just not to let it get too old. Yeah. Well, yeah. obviously, don't let it get moldy. Yeah, no. But there is... Don't, uh, just don't oh, let any of your bread get moldy. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Um, and oh, the other thing to watch is peanuts. There's, yeah. a, there's a, a mold that grows on peanuts mm-hmm. that is really deadly. It'll, it'll destroy your liver. So, yeah. Maybe that's why I feel like crap all the yeah, time. Yeah, don't eat old nuts. That or you work too much. Uh, anyway, the most believed theory so far is ergot poisoning, but of course there are others. Of course. Of course. Of course. But the first one is, is, is of course, ergot. We're getting into our theories now. So did Rochebriand get a batch of flour that was tainted by ergo fungus? Seems possible. There's a bunch yeah. of issues with this, though. Well, there are. Um, it's it, It's... Possible. I mean, there could have been a batch, a, a batch that was processed at, by a supplier, and we're we're going to, I guess, assume for the sake of assuming that it was sent to him as flour, bags of flour. So imagine that 
you've got this whole huge batch of grain, and there's a tiny little bit of it that's infected with ergot. And so you grind it all up, you dump it in a bag, and just as luck has it, it all winds up in just one bag and not in a whole bunch of bags. Well, okay. Or maybe some of it got distributed to other bags, but in, in small enough quantities that um, it didn't really afflict too many people. My two cents on that is one, again, we're making the assumption that this is a large scale supplier. It's possible mm. that it's just a farm that only supplied him. True. Right? Or, you know, him and one other people. But yeah. we're also assuming that it came to him with ergot in it. Is it not possible that he got the flour or maybe the, you the know, grain, the grain yeah. and just let it sit for a little while? He well, overordered in bulk or something like that. And that's then it actually happened there. what I was thinking uh, is actually it could have been actually he could have caused it not intentionally, but just to slightly negligent behavior by yeah. letting it lay around. Yeah. I mean, we've all experienced, you know, like. When something gets pushed to the back of the fridge and you kind of forget about mm -hmm. it and then you discover it like long later and oh wow, it's like scary looking. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, I think one of the things, right, is it's possible also, you know, when you go to the store and they're like, meat on sale, super slashed. Uh -huh. And you go, oh, that's a great deal without thinking, oh, it's probably on sale because they got to get rid of it because it's going to go bad. And, and you it always have the giant stickers on it so you can't see the, uh -huh. the ucky bits. Yeah, I, know, exactly. and I love how they do that. That's yeah. so sneaky. But uh, I mean, it's possible, right, also that, you know, he just got a batch that was a little older and he didn't realize it was older and then he let it sit for a little too long and mm. then just made some bread with it and... That's, you know, actually, I really, you know, I'm, I'm really leaning towards that myself because, yeah, I think that's probably what happened. Can, uh, but... I, can I ask a question? Because yeah. it's been so long since we've talked about ergot that I don't remember. Does cooking the bread not destroy the toxin? Well, that's the part that I don't know. I was trying to do a little research on that and I couldn't find out one way or the other. Um, and I really honestly don't know. Okay. Because generally speaking, in cases of, of ergot poisoning, it's usually bread that's already been baked but been sitting around for too long. Right. Yeah. So it's it's old bread. So that's why that's why I'm asking this because the grain having it doesn't seem to be as much of a culprit to me if then he threw it into an oven and cooked it. Mm -hmm. He's he's you know, he's cooked it off. I should technically unless it's sitting it's in the grain and then it jumps from the grain to the loaves of cooked bread that are sitting around mm. that have cooled off and therefore are a, a perfect host again. Mm, well, I see what you're saying. Uh, that's always possible too, I guess. So but to all our bakers, don't store your freshly baked bread on top of your flour supply. Good idea. Yeah. Well, you know, have you know, but you probably noticed that a lot of bread, what they do is after they've baked it, before it actually like cools, they they, they, they sprinkle pot that like they flour sprinkle on some top. flour on. Yeah, they some do. breads. Yeah, I mean, so that's a possibility. Is that actually the the ergot that was in it when it got baked was maybe killed off, but they sprinkled fresh stuff on top. But, uh, the other thing that I was um, seeing when I was like reading about ergot and bread is that. Um, at least in modern times, they see the most instances of the um, of ergot being developed in baked bread mm. when it's put directly with um, without being able to be cooled sufficiently, put directly into plastic bags because uh -huh. it holds the moisture in. Uh -huh. um, so I wonder if it's possible that he was bagging his bread before it was you know in plastic bags and none of the other bakers in town were. They were letting mm -hmm. it air dry. I don't, know. I don't, I don't think, I don't think they were cool. using plastic bags in those but, days. But paper bag 50s? would be equivalent. I mean, a paper bag... It would bag, still hold in a lot of if, moisture. Well, uh, you know, right. you, you go to the baker sometimes and you'll get that kind of waxy paper. Mm -hmm. You know, that butcher paper. And yeah. they'll, they'll... Sometimes I've been to places where they'll just wrap it in that and mm -hmm. give it to you in that. It could be a situation like that. It could That's be, yeah. possible. I, I, and that's because that traps the moisture yeah. in, in, from the heat. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's so an it, idea, too, that he was packaging his bread differently, which was causing it to mold. Mm -hmm. Could be. All right. Well, so that's it. I mean, uh, er, the, the ergot theory is uh, one of the prevalent theories out there. There's some other ones that are kind of interesting. Well, but he, well here's here's the, the one thing about the, the ergot that I have an issue with is that how if indeed it came from the source that he gets his flour or his grain from... Mm -hmm. How is it he's the only one that got it? Oh, that's, I know. You know what I mean? That is the problem with that. I think that, again, my thoughts, my thoughts on it are that uh, probably just to sheer luck, I mean, it probably uh, the fungus started growing in some grain, 
In a small mass. In a small mass, and it hadn't had time to really spread out a lot. It got ground up, and probably 95% of it wound up in one bag of flour that went to his place, mm. if, this is, if this is what's happening. I could see that happening. Have you ever seen uh, how flour is made? I mean, they, they grind that stuff up, and it gets stirred up. It, it, the chances of it, I guess what I'm getting at is the chances of it, that, that little mass of it staying together once it was ground into flour... Mm. is pretty small. Yeah, mm. but again, we're assuming that it came to him as flour. And it's it, true. And it That's came to him that, from yeah. a large enough supplier that they were supplying multiple places, yeah. which we don't know either of those things. You're right. So. There's so many things we don't know. I I'm, I'm going to stop complaining about it then. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to another theory. Uh, it has been proposed that this might have been uh, some sort of contamination or maybe even intentional poisoning of the water supply. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one uh, because... It actually, is, in, in terms of actual percentages, very, not that many people were really affected with mm. the insanity. I'm, I think something like 6 or 7%. Mm. And it's hard to say because I don't have a totally clear number of exactly how many people were affected. And I also don't know precisely what the population of the town was in those days. Well, I was going to say, the other thing we don't know is where in the town the people who were affected lived. Mm -hmm. Were they clustered in one neighborhood or were they randomly spread about? I'm I'm assuming they were all like fairly clustered around around that one bakery. Mm. Probably reasonably close because I'm sure the village had more than one bakery. And you probably went to the one that was closest to you. Although this this guy apparently, Roquebriand, apparently had a reputation as the best baker in town. Yeah. So he might have got, it might have been people coming from all over and and, yeah. and uh, it's not a really a huge town so it's not that hard to bicycle over to his bakery and get it's a little true because what it was uh ten thousand people in 2012 yeah okay, yeah five thousand people yeah it's not that huge okay it's not not really i mean i could see maybe he was the only baker but i really really doubt it i'd be surprised i, I would be surprised too yeah uh, but anyway the the contamination of the water supply that would have affected a lot more people than what my estimation of six to seven percent of the population were affected so i think it would have affected everybody except for the town alcoholic who only drank wine <laughs> yeah yeah you know, I, I I think we can rule that one out. What do you guys think? I'm willing to let that one I go. I agree, yeah. Under the bridge. That one's fine. Okay, all right. Uh, another theory that's been proposed is mercury poisoning. This would apparently be there caused by this thing, uh, this product called Panagen, which uh, was a cleansing agent that was used in wheat containers. I don't know if they're using it anymore, but apparently it's mercury-based. I'm probably not using it anymore. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> as soon as you said that, I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's probably, probably nix that. Probably not. Uh, and, and actually, you know, mercury poison, poisoning, the, the symptoms of it, I've looked it up, and they, they were actually very consistent with most of the medical symptoms that people experience. It causes a lot of cramping. Cramping and, and uh, you know, chills and hypertension, mm-hmm. and, you know, and hyper, you know, tachycardia yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And so, uh, sweating, a lot of sweating, excessive salivating, and stuff like that. All these were all things that people were experiencing. Mm-hmm. But uh, mercury poisoning does not include hallucinations and, and total craziness. So I don't know what to say. There's still people that are kind of putting this theory out there. But I, at least I have never, in my admittedly brief research into mercury poisoning, I've never seen anything about hallucinations or psychotic behavior or anything. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's not something that you hear about. So I would see why. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. In, I'm not willing to be on board with mercury poisoning just because of that. Okay. Ah, damn it. These theories are just too thin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another theory is that uh, Roquebriand, the baker, uh, might have actually done something a little bit illicit. Which caused this to happen? So inadvertently. Uh, yeah, inadvertently, of course. But but from all accounts, uh, he took great pride in the whiteness of his bread. And apparently, back in the day, I don't know if it's still the case now, but in those days, the French liked their bread as white as it could possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, I don't know. Have you been there lately? Do they still like it white? No, I haven't been there in like thirteen years. Yeah. But when we were there, yeah, they liked it white. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who just went, and I mean, they seem they like their crusty bread, though. I don't know. I I have no idea. They were yelling at me. I had no idea what they were saying. So I didn't <laughs> yeah. even know what their bread was. <laughs> they were yelling like they were, they were yelling. Look how white my bread is. It's about the best. <laughs> and I'm like, why are they so angry? <laughs> they weren't angry. They were just bragging about their white bread. They were just yeah. They were yeah. just really proud. Yeah. Well, you know, so could it be that the baker used some chemicals to bleach his flour and accidentally sort of poisoned everybody? Well, this theory was put put out by a guy named Stephen Kaplan, who published a book in 2008, and 
It's not devoted entirely. It's apparently like a thousand-page book. I haven't read it, but I've, I've read some reviews and, and summations of it and stuff. And hmm. it's about a lot more than than just Pont Esprit. It's uh, okay. it's a lot about that that era in France. Mm. And uh, but he had, had some stuff in there, and he, he argues in the book that somebody, perhaps a certain baker, used nitrogen trichloride to bleach his flour. And he doesn't. Other than that, as a theory, he doesn't really provide any evidence to speak of. There's no no, no smoking gun. No no discarded bottles of nitrogen trichloride or anything like that. But it, it was actually used commonly to bleach flour, but way back in the day. Um, and apparently, according to Wikipedia, it was banned for that use in 1949. Um, although the page contradicts itself and says in the next sentence that it was banned in 1947. Was internationally banned? Banned in well, France? That's a good question. I don't know. Banned in the small southern county of France? This is, this is, why, is, vague. This is why we use Wikipedia for the very general overviews yeah. and then dig in. Mm-hmm. And it I mean, I tried to dig in and I couldn't find anything that I'm guessing that they're citing multiple sources. And that's the problem is that they're the location is what's making the discrepancy. Yeah, you can't. uh, Obviously, you can't really ban anything worldwide. Just doesn't. (laughs) Not easily. Can't really be done. No. Um, But it's it sounds like it was it, it had fallen from favor. Apparently kind of dangerous. It turns out the problem that I have with this theory is that it was commonly used prior to when it was banned for bleaching flour. Mm-hmm. And so if this caused that kind of outbreak of insanity, then that wouldn't that we have we would have had lots and lots of instances of this kind of mass outbreak of insanity prior to nineteen forty nine or wherever it was banned, right? Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. he was over bleaching his flour. Well it might be it might be that he wasn't actually doing it quite correctly and maybe he used too much right that's why he had the mm. whitest bread everyone mm. else was like how's he getting this bread so white without killing people no. oh. oh he is Oops, killing people he <laughs> just killed somebody yeah <laughs> huh, okay yeah so but anyway i I'm, I'm not really liking this theory because i really do think that there would have been at least some instances of this happening in other places uh yeah if, you if, would think that this would not be an isolated event yeah yeah but so it's possible but i don't think so um as for Roch Biran, he uh, actually died broke and kind of an outcast. Apparently a mm. lot of people were suspicious of him, even though I think it, it's, it appears that he was probably innocent of any wrongdoing. But unfortunately for him, that, you know, obviously that's not, just not good for business. If you're oh, selling no. food and all, they all get sick, well, yeah. that's, that's going to kill your business. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's the burrito place that's having all the trouble? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and They're not the, really having trouble anymore, though. Well, but there was a huge backlash and for a while because they had the come in and, and get your free burrito because we're sorry we got you sick and your free burrito got you sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's just there's things that just people don't forgive. There's people who will never go back to that joint. Mm-hmm. I'm one. Yeah. yeah, I know. But, you know, that, the thing is E. coli outbreaks like that, they take place all over the place. Oh, I know. I know. It's like uh, I'm sure I'm sure these guys are, are being extra extra careful these oh days. yeah no they, they were completely you know it wasn't i don't think that was their fault it's not like they were saying that their burritos got better diesel mileage than it actually did and were lying to the public that's yeah. a different company yeah. yeah that's a good point i don't i don't know what company you're possibly talking about but uh yeah <laughs> uh well so anyway the, the far theory, from saying nitrogen trichloride i think we can knock out as a theory i would say yes yeah okay that comes to yet another theory which is it was the cia Ugh. Yeah, uh, and there's theories out there about this MK Ultra. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and LSD. And there was there there was an, indeed an MK Ultra program that began in the 1950s, and it did exist in reality. It's like it's yeah. not just a conspiracy theory. I mean, a lot of people have run with it, so it's like you know, not quite as incredibly insanely conspiratorial as a lot of people make it out to be, but they did do some interesting stuff. Probably some of it a little bit unethical. I was going to say, by interesting, do you mean uh, un... uh, uh, Oh, God, I can't even think of the word where nobody was on board with it. They didn't know. They were unwilling participants. Yeah, they they unwittingly... People were unwittingly being poisoned or drugged up and things like that. So, yeah, I guess that was a little shady. Uh, but there was a guy named there's a guy named Hank Alberelli, and you can see interv- you know, uh, footage of interviews of him on the internet if you want to if you want to do a little Google on his name. Mm-hmm. And he published a book in 2009 claiming that the CIA alternatively I, I've heard that he claims that they used aerosol spraying of LSD over the village as an experiment. 
or or he poisoned he actually poisoned the bread coming out of this guy's bakery and his it's there he did a lot of research he claims to have found all sorts of secret documents that that make reference to this and he he did a lot of he was doing a lot of research into the death of Frank Olson who some of you might have heard about uh, I, I think he's somewhere on our list of, of unsolved mysteries that we haven't actually jumped, jumped okay on yet. yeah the name doesn't yeah. ring a bell but yeah. Uh, he was a biochemist that worked with the Special Operations Division, or SOD, and he jumped out of the 13th floor of a hotel in New York City in 1953, and there's a theory out there that he was actually thrown out that window. Mm. Yeah, or maybe he just jumped, I don't know. Alberetti was looking into the death of Frank Olson when he came across some references to Saint-Saint-Esprit, and, uh, and so he made, sort of made that connection. Apparently... It is his belief that Frank Olson was working with SOD and that he was part of the operation that poisoned the people of the town. He, you know, that's his quote, you know, what, was there actually an operation? Well, we'll talk about that. But apparently his, his theory is, is that Frank Olson was murdered because he was actually become disillusioned and wanted to go public, or at least had been had been a little too loose-lipped about the whole thing. And he was seen as a security threat, so he was murdered. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing that people cite to back this up a lot mm-hmm. is that um, this company called Sandoz. Yeah, in Switzerland, Sandoz yeah. Chemical. Yeah. yeah, they are the ones who apparently sold LSD-25 to the CIA for mm-hmm. the MK Ultra project. Yeah. And apparently they are also the ones who conducted the investigation in the town and said, oh, yeah, no, it's totally ergot. Uh-huh, yeah. I have heard that too, and uh, I—I well, don't know. I haven't seen anything to back that up. I haven't either. I've, but I've, I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen that in numerous places. Yeah. But, it, but it all seems to emanate from one source, which is Hank Alberelli. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of problems with this. Yeah. There, one, just a couple. Oh well, there's a, a couple as in many. Yeah. Um, so are. let's start with the fact that. Um, I have never actually heard of anybody successfully making LSD into an aerosol spray, but mm-hmm. do you know how you have how what has to happen for LSD to affect you? Mm. You have to ingest it. Yeah. You can't get it on your skin as far as I understand. And and maybe these maybe crazy high dosages will do it, but from what I understand is that you have to ingest it. It breaks it can break down relatively quickly in the sunlight. So uh-huh. think about it, it's August, it's probably warm, it's probably sunny. Yeah. Um that's why there's always the stories of People who will have the blotter paper that they'll they'll have out for a while sitting in the sunshine, and then they'll they'll go to take their hits of acid and find out that it's no good anymore. Yeah, because it's broke down. No, I, I store my acid in the fridge. That's the only place to keep it. What's to say that it that um, they weren't aerosol canning it? That they were dosing his bread with it. Okay, people so, keep their bread out of the sun. Okay, so I'm not I'm not going to say that. It's not has nothing to do with them directly treating the bread. I think that's a, a, assigning a higher level of conspiracy to the whole thing. Okay. Let's just say that they're flying over the town. They can't spray LSD. You have to ingest it. If it touches your skin, at least the research that I did, it, it doesn't do anything. It's not strong enough to penetrate. Was this no. research sticking LSD on your skin and seeing what happened? No. In, not just this inhaling time. it through no, aerosol? No, no, no. This drug is not one that I went ahead and, and tested. Mm, that's uh, too bad. There's another one that we'll talk about, but this one, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, there was there was some experimentation with the idea of using LSD as a weapon. Uh, the idea being that there are certain chemicals, as far as I know, I can't. Remember, there's there's one that I was, I'm, I, it doesn't come to mind right now, but it facilitates the absorption of a drug through your skin. Okay. So you you mix that up with the LSD, and then you drop like LSD bombs on the enemy. They explode and and, and spray the spray them down, and then all these enemy soldiers are tripping are, balls totally and don't want to fight. And you don't have to shoot them at all. You just walk in there <laughs> mm-hmm. and just and just you know haul them off to the to the prison camp or wherever you're gonna take them. You Here's a flower. Them. He fell down. Here's yeah. a flower. He fell down. Yeah. Here's uh, a worm. He fell down. So <laughs> you know it could have been it could be that some sort of experimentation with chemicals mixed with LSD that would uh, actually cause everybody to get high. But my, my big problem with this as an experiment, uh, whether they did the, the aerosol spraying or if they actually deliberately tainted the bread, uh, if, they tainted, if they tainted the flour that was made into the bread, the LSD would not survive the no. baking process. Absolutely not, not. not. No, it totally wouldn't. It so, would have to be applied post the, right. the baking process. So they, they 
unless the baker was actually conspiring with them. Maybe the, they were putting it in the butter that he was giving out complimentary with his bread. <laughs> there you go. I like that idea. <laughs> that was one. the passive butter. Yeah. yeah. Here's your pat. <laughs> but you know, actually, you know, actually, when you think about it, this could actually totally be a case of contaminated butter, and then and the baker totally, totally got, got fingered for this unfairly. Yeah. Maybe it was contaminated butter. See? Do you, do you eat bread without butter? Um, sometimes, I, but it's usually like a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, French exactly. French aren't big into sandwiches. And actually, the French put butter on their sandwiches usually, so... Psh. Yeah, it could have, could have been butter. Could have been butter. Yeah, it could have been some or, bad or cow. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing I don't like about this is it was an experiment, supposedly. And they, were, they had this whole research program called MKUltra. And, and by the way, MKUltra didn't actually begin or get funding until 1953. There might have, it might have been a precursor program, some sort of predecessor. But the thing about it was is they did conduct a lot of experiments uh, with drugging people and seeing what they could do in terms of brainwashing them or controlling them and stuff like that. It didn't really, in the end, work out. Eventually, they just dropped it because you just couldn't get reliable results. But if you're doing experiments like this, the way experiments work is you have to control things. If you just put it in the bread... And see what's happened. And see what... Ha- and, and, and some guy has a slice and another guy pigs down half a loaf. Well, you're, you're, not, you're not controlling the dosage at all. And also, how are you going to observe the results? Well, you know, a, bu- a bunch of guys show up in, in this village... You know, total strangers show up, and everybody's going nuts, by the way, and there's these guys with clipboards taking notes. I mean, is, that, is that how it's supposed to work? Well, maybe it's, I mean, maybe it's that they were the ones who came in and investigated, right? Or quote-unquote investigated, and mm-hmm. so they're doing all these questioning, like, okay, well, how much did he have? Uh-huh. Okay, so what were his symptoms? And that's a way to anecdotally collect evidence. Obviously, it's fact. not good evidence data collection, but I don't... I, from what I understand about a lot of MK Ultra's alleged things, not the actual MK Ultra stuff, but the alleged MK Ultra stuff, they didn't really care. I mean, it wasn't like scientific. We've got the test group and we've got the the control group, and we really care about it. It was kind of like, I don't know, let's see what happens. Uh, I, I don't. I really don't think it would ha- happen that way because I, I mean, don't think so either. Because it's it's kind of useless information if you don't have a control group and you haven't controlled the dosages to see what each dosage is going to do. It's kind of useless. Yeah, don't you think? Although, I mean, in in fairness, if you're testing it for well, if you're testing it for something similar to let's just drop a bomb, you don't uh, really care what exact dosage you care about the overall effect on the group that's mm-hmm. affected that's true right because if you're if you're going to use it as a weapon it's not okay and each single person is going to get exactly this dose it's like how does it affect these 300 people that ingested it mm-hmm. that would do be... they all go crazy do some of them go crazy maybe it maybe yeah. they tried to deploy it to you know a thousand people and only those 300 and so that would mm-hmm. be valuable data as well because you wouldn't it's not scientific the way that they're trying to deploy it. It's scientific. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sci- it's true to the science of them deploying it in this kind of hypothetical, yeah. we just well, dropped a bomb way. But here's the other problem that I have with it is that uh, France was a NATO ally. Um, it would just seem more logical to go do this in a village in Mexico or something. Someplace that actually didn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, would, that would make a lot more sense to me. I, but, I agree. Yeah. Or even a village, even a small town in the U.S. I mean, you know, I'm mean, doing it in France. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it just yeah. seems, ra- it just seems strange or random that that was the location chosen. Yeah. God yeah. knows why. I mean, maybe there's something about it. I don't know. You mm. done with that theory? Yeah. Well, I, I have a slightly different theory. Cool. Than Let's hear it. LSD. It is drug based, but it's different than LSD. So let's uh, roll back here with a little bit of census data that I found. In 1947, in France, 20% of the population was essentially atheist. So 80% were religious. I couldn't really, in my quick digging, find the number that were Catholic. But let's just say, I'm just going to grab a number and say that 40% of the population is Catholic. Okay? Okay. 40% of the town is Catholic. Well, this happened on the 15th of August. Do you know what happens on the 15th of August every year? Um, it's the 15th of August. It's also uh, observed is the Assumption of Mary. Uh-huh. The Assumption of Mary is... So you uh, think it's a bad communion wafer? Well, what I think is going on... So the Assumption of Mary is... it's. Uh, 
It's an observation based on the belief that Mary was actually assumed into heaven after she passed away rather than left in the ground like the rest of us plebes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what they do is they celebrate that and there are, there are feasts and there are meals and there are things like that. So we're going to say that we've got a Catholic portion of the population taking part in that. The other thing that I looked at was I started trying to find out what else has similar symptoms. And you know what has a very similar set of symptoms? What's that? Magic mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Good Magic point. mushrooms cause stomach cramps. They cause intestinal cramps. They cause some crazy hallucinations in people who get enough of them. I'm not going to say how I know this, but... I I do know that you it don't. does some terrible things it to your innards. Maybe if you OD'd, I know if you OD'd, but I've actually I'll, I'll admit it. I've done some shrooms. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this I, is, uh, yeah. Anyway, I never, but I never imagined. Of course, maybe I didn't take enough. I never imagined I was being eaten by snakes or I had you know red flowers sprouting out of my body. Okay, so I have known people who have taken a lot at one time uh-huh. and were seriously fried. I mean, uh-huh. they were just, they were fried for a while and they were having some of these same physical symptoms mm-hmm. and think about it magic mushrooms it's a poison that's so, why your body does that is so, it trying to get rid of it so you're thinking that somebody like uh, accidentally they, they made picked some, the wrong mushrooms they picked the wrong mushroom for some dish and the group gets together and some people just like you were talking about with the bread where it's one guy gets one uh, slice and the other guy t- wolfs down half a loaf mm-hmm. well this could be that somebody made this giant batch of some dish and some people ate one and feel good but they were all right and then a couple of people just just wolfed it down and got massive amounts of a hallucinogenic mushroom mm-hmm. which would set them off and it's it's not like Mushrooms come on immediately. They, oh, no. There is a buildup period before it starts to happen. And the peak is long, depending on how much somebody has taken. So I'm looking at this and thinking, I actually think that this is not uh, ergot. I'm going to actually want to clear it. But I think that this is more of a magic mushroom scenario. Yeah, maybe. Well, were you, you going to say something? I was just going to mention, if we're going the religious Catholic ceremony route, um, it's not unheard of for erg- ergot to uh, grow in wine. It's true. Well, yeah, there's that. Or, it, you know, beer. wafers. We, you, you were telling us earlier. Beer. can be in beer. Mm-hmm. Wafers. So there's a so this is I this is why you were talking about earlier Joe when you were saying maybe the baker is kind of getting a bad rap yeah and I agree with that because there's just so many other ways that it could have happened besides this one thing oh yeah absolutely because uh, probably when people were sitting out for and eating their meals they were probably eating other food that they had gotten from other people mm-hmm. in there and along with their bread. So, you know, who knows? I mean, it, everybody pinpointed the baker, but it might not have been him at all. He might have had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Absolutely the only not. thing I guess you would run into is in the 1950s, feeding 100 or 300 people. Okay, but, but think about it. If somebody goes out and they pick boatloads of mushrooms and they sell them all in a day at the market. Yeah, that's true. Okay? Yeah, and you so, mix some bad ones in there. And Oopsie. the bad ones are mixed yeah. in there or, or as some people call them, the good ones are mixed in there. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> point of then yeah. they're randomly put into dishes for this celebration. It doesn't even have to be for the observation of the Assumption of Mary. I just happen to find that correlated with the date. Mm. But it could yeah. be that somebody just went out and found this batch of, I found... Oh, the mother load of mushrooms. It's awesome. Everybody takes them and eats them, and woo, the yeah. party is started. I guess yeah. it doesn't even have to be magic. I mean, it could just be bat poisonous mushrooms. Yeah, poisonous mushrooms of some kind. Be... It's something, as long as it's got the that... capability of, of initiating you know, uh, Fake chanterelles are a thing. I mean, you know, there's all these mushrooms that look, because I think magic mushrooms, the way they grow, it's pretty distinct. Yeah, You'd, it would have to be pretty negligent to think, oh yeah, those are the good ones, or you know, well, those in, are the bad or ones, or inexperienced, or whatever. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, locally speaking, there's a, a, a little brand that grows around here that you find in cow pastures surrounding the um, the output from the cows. Yeah, and I don't mean milk or butter. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's no. not. But it's really easy to go into the forest and find a bunch of mushrooms and think, oh yeah, those look like the mushrooms that I get in the store. But mm-hmm. hey, guess what? If it's white and it's in the forest, do, don't pick that. Oh yeah, no, that definitely. will kill you. 
Yeah, so, mushrooms are. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who you know were out there and they suddenly like they they went to sleep and they woke up in the hospital with a new liver. Mm-hmm. And that's if you're lucky and there happens to be a liver available. Otherwise, yeah. well, TFS. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're done. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah, don't eat those shrooms. Yep. So uh, yeah. that, my point it's is, it's a good theory. There's a whole bunch of things that are naturally mm-hmm. occurring that somebody could have picked up. Sold at market. But in general, we are agreeing that a fungus of some kind was ingested by 300-ish people yes. and probably, probably made them. Yes, so not LSD. Not or, yeah, not I, LSD. I agree. No, I think I, yeah. that something, you know, whether it was, it was probably an accidental fungus poisoning. I think so, too. Yeah, the whole the whole CIA theory, I think, is... is uh, Silly. Yeah, it's, it's absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What's the, the term? name of my next band, though. It's Bunk. Accidental yeah, Fungus bunk. Poisoning. Good. Yeah, Actually, we should just name. rename the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that would really pigeonhole us. Yeah. yeah really oh, for the be. cooking show, actually. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Right, when yeah. we have a cooking show, yeah. that's what it's going to be called. Because yeah, that will yeah. draw the listeners in. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, third degree burns. It's <laughs> not bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, I think we. Any, any other theories or no. thoughts? No. I, solved. I guess, yeah. I'm tapped out. Sort of kind of solved. Oh, man. Uh, let's let, let me do a little housekeeping here. Uh, websites uh, you you can find us uh, on our website at thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can download episodes and well, unfortunately, we turned off comments a while back. Sorry about that. Uh, we're also on iTunes. If you subscribe or if you do find us there, please do subscribe uh, and uh, leave us a comment, a rating. That's great. Preferably good comments and ratings. Uh, we're also on. Now, I don't know any. I have no idea how many th- streaming services there's are a whole there. bucket load of them. There's tons of them. Also, Google Play, uh, and I think on all those you can also subscribe and rate us and, and give us a review. Some of them, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're on Facebook. Uh, that we have a group and we have a page, so join the group. Uh, we're on the Twitter and where we are thinking sideways. That's without the G. And our subreddit is called Thinking Sideways. And if you want to talk to us, uh, send us a suggestion or just tell us how wonderful we are, you can send us an email at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And last of all, if you want to support the show, you can support us through Patreon. Uh, that would be at patreon.com slash thinkingsideways. And don't forget, that is a, a, an ongoing thing. If you if you pledge $10, well, that's ten bucks an episode, so just keep that in mind. If yeah. if you just want to, if you're in a situation where ten dollars is what you're wanting to give, and you want to do it as a one-time thing, that's where the PayPal comes in. That PayPal, and there's a link to that or a button for that on the website. There is, and of course we have merch also, so yep. yeah, that's another way to contribute to the show. And you can also get some awesome mugs and T-shirts and stuff out of it. Yeah. I've been working on some other new artwork recently, so mm-hmm. hopefully yeah. some of that will be going up soon. Yeah. Uh, and so, actually, I, I was thinking about going out and getting a mug for myself. You guys, you guys want to go in on an order? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. We'll I've got a sticker I've got my eye on. Yeah. Uh, Let's right. talk about this later. All right, you guys. Well, that's it for this week. We will be seeing you guys in another week. So, uh, ta-ta. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>